Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You're going to be leveled or you're going to be lifted. Which way do you want? We're going to be terrified at the Lord's return, or we're going to glorify the Lord's return. And it all depends on if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not. If you have friends that you want to see saved for real, abstain from fleshly lusts. Well, it's my life. I can do what I want to. It's not about you. We do this so that when they, the unbeliever, sees your good works, then they're going to want the Lord Jesus as their Lord too, so that when he returns to pay us a visit, they will glorify his return rather than dread it. See, Peter's saying your conduct, it's not just about you. It's all about them. Because when God comes back, they need to be found glorifying God, and you have a tremendous influence on how they're going to respond to that. Let me put it to you this way. Here's one. If you dread going to church, what do you think the Lord's big return is going to be like on the day of visitation? If you don't like the things of the Lord now, you're not going to like it then. On the day of visitation, you're going to dread it. You're going to be in terror of it. If you don't even like church, if you can't do that much, oh, you're really going to hate it when the Lord comes back. If you can't get this down now, You ain't going to like it later because this is of the Lord. This is the body of Christ, the believers. You know, he commands us to do it in Hebrews 10. Do not forsake the assembly of believers. He tells you, go to church. He's going to wipe the sin off this world. He's going to come and wipe it off. He's going to level it because he's going to set up his throne on Mount Zion, and he is not going to put up with the sin that's going on today. And everybody that refuses to let go of their sin they're going to be wiped off along with their sin. Guys, we have a tremendous responsibility in our decision-making processes that we do every day to make better decisions in our soul, in our mind. I will not do this, but I would rather do that, and let's make it align with God's will because your conduct needs to be honorable according to God's word so that unbelievers who are watching you will be found to glorify God in the day of visitation. It's my love. It's not about you. It's about the Lord first and everybody else but you. You come last. (laughs) I'm last. I have to be a servant to all. Zephaniah 1.14, and I have the new, the NLT version, because I like the way they worded it says that terrible day of the Lord is near. Swiftly it comes, a day of bitter tears, a day when even strong men will cry out. 
So friends, if you have people that you truly love and they're unbelievers and you have this attitude of, well, you know, that's their business. Faith is a private thing. I I don't want to push my beliefs on them. Let me state it like this. Let me tell you as direct as I can. You are not expected to push your beliefs on them. What you're expected to do is push your beliefs on yourself. Make yourself live disciplined according to God's word. I'm going to push it on me. And those that watch you will ask. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul so that you can show others who Jesus is through your conduct. Did you know you don't really win people to Jesus by just talking them to death? Scripture says the word of God is a matter of power, not talk. They're going to follow what you do, how you conduct yourself, how you behave. I'm going to ask another direct question. Guys, I'm going to ask you, do you look at porn? Abstain from that stuff. Why? Because doing those kind of things will pollute your conduct so that when unbelievers hear you talk about Jesus, you will literally make them not want Jesus at all. You will not be an attractant. You will be a repellent. Prove them wrong, not by pushing your beliefs on them, but so that they'll want to have the life that you have when your life reflects the light of Jesus Christ. Looking at that stuff on the, on the internet does not brighten your light. It dims it. I was once working on a ranch with uh, Grandpa. We had like 60 acres, and it was starting to get uh, a little dark. And I was in an area with a lot of trees, and I, I got a flashlight. I can't remember what I was doing. I was looking for something, and I set it down for a minute, and I went working, and then I walked on away from it, and I forgot it. Well, then it got really dark, and I thought, oh, shoot, where's the flashlight? Well, it was still light enough outside of the shade. I couldn't see it. And I thought, well, if I wait here a minute, it'll get dark enough. It'll be easy to find. So the darker it got, man, there it is right over there. Guys, I'm telling you, the darker the world gets, don't be afraid of it. It's getting dark out there, I know. But the darker it gets, the easier it is to see the light of Jesus in you. Don't be afraid of what's going on out there. Use it. They're going to want Jesus when your life reflects Christ. But if you play around with the worship of money, misusing that computer, or my career is my God, and I'm going to make that my first foremost thing, or, you know, and you hate the things of God, but it's all about you and my life. I live how I want. You dim the light, and they're not going to see Jesus in you at all. We need to reflect the light of Christ. First Peter 2 and 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. We just saw that elected officials are put in place by God for God's purpose. He puts them there to either punish or lift, whichever way. God puts them in position. Now, I want you to understand that this passage does not say to submit yourself only to the ordinance of men that match your opinion. Don't just get under those that say, well, I agree with him. I'm getting under him. You ever hear people say, well, this man in in the office now, not my president. I didn't vote for him. He said, every ordinance of men, every ordinance of men, even if you don't like that other party, you're not doing it for you. He says, you do this for the Lord's sake. Well, I didn't vote for him. It's not about you. He said, do it for the Lord's sake. This even includes submitting to the authority of police, submitting to the authority of school teachers, 
submitting to your parents. And some people, they like to give reasons on why they don't have to submit to authority. Well, my parents weren't very nice to me when I was a kid, or I don't agree with that other party's uh, policies. And they take a few little negative little issues to make their justification to pretty much disobey God's word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that in the last days, there's going to be so many people that are disobedient to authority. So I know that Peter's instruction here for us right now to submit to all authority is going to have most people come up with reasons on why they don't have to. Because we're in the last days. You're being literally taught by your culture to reject authority and fight about it. You ever notice that? That's not the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be different. And when people go, Ray, how come you don't get into the... Ray, how come you don't get into politics at the pulpit? You need to talk about that Democrat over there. Or you need to talk about that Republican over there, or that, that conservative, or that liberal. How come you don't do that? I don't play that game. I don't want to tempt you into that lust. We're supposed to submit to every ordinance of man. And people will always have a reason to serve their own will instead of God's will. But then that's why Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 2.15, he says, for this is the will of God. Hello. Well, that's not my will. Right. This is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. About the submitting to authority, as much as you may not like to hear it, it is God's will for us, even if it is not our will. Oh, this one's going to go over well on the radio. After this one airs, I'm going to start getting lots of emails on this one. It's God's will. It's not about your will. It's about His. As believers in Jesus, we have been given freedom to make decisions however we want to in our mind. Peter said, do not use your liberty as a cloak for vice, he said. In other words, don't use your freedom in Jesus as a cover-up to do only what you want to do. Well, I'm free in Jesus. I've been saved. I've been set free. I can go do what I want. That's not the way it works. You've been set free by Jesus so that you can obey Jesus. People violate this one all the time. They don't respect authority. They justify their bad behavior by giving their own biased version of the story. I spoke to a fellow recently about some difficulties he had going on, and I said, well, here's, here's the problem. And he goes, oh, no, no, you don't understand the whole story yet. I said, I don't. He goes, yeah, let me tell you more. And he told his side of the story. I said, yeah, but you're still in violation of God's word. So he thought he needed to come up with more story. Here's the way I see it. Here's the way I see it. And he kept on and kept on. Said, it's not about how you see it. This is about the violation of God's word that you're in. You need to repent and come back. I'm just trying to help you, man. Peter said, don't use your freedom in Jesus as a smokescreen on why you don't have to have respect for who you don't like. You know all the prejudice in the world today? All the hatred going around? That is evidence we're in the last days. We're not honoring people. Christians should be very different than that. Well, God gave me free will. I can live my life how I want to. Only God can judge me. Blah, blah, blah. They use their freedom in Jesus as a cloak to hide behind it so they can justify anarchy. Submit to authorities. Well, I didn't vote for that man. I'm not going to do it. 
anarchy. Well, I'm, I'm saved by Jesus. I'm a Christian. You just used the Lord as a cloak for your vice. So Peter, he just gave us a four-point summary of what a Christian should look like, what Christian conduct should look like. First, we are to respect, we are to honor and esteem everyone, absolutely everyone. That particular kind of people group in your mind that you're thinking, I just can't stand those people. What happens if you honor them? Do you want them to be seen praised? praising and glorifying God on the day of visitation, or do you want to see them go straight to hell? I want to see them glorify God. Today, we isolate ourselves into our own preferential groups. And when we get in our own little group, we either attack, attack or totally avoid everybody else that isn't like us. He said you're supposed to honor all people. And we have to remember that even the people we don't really care for all that much, those that rub you the wrong way, Did you know that even those people have been created in the image of God? Second, Peter said, we're supposed to love the family of believers. As Peter said, he said, love the brotherhood. Today, not many people actually love the family of believers. They don't actually love us that much. Believers assemble in what's known as the church. And today, the word church, the way I think people refer to the word church is that mundane, boring place that most people don't want to spend the time attending. Did you know that even the word preach has become a bad word? Don't preach at me, Ray. I get that all the time. I'm a preacher. It's what I do. The name preach, the word preach has become a bad word. Peter said, love the brotherhood. Guys, whatever you love, you're going to spend time with. You ever recognize that? Whatever you truly love, you're going to spend, you're, you're going to make time to spend with it. People say, well, I don't have time to come to church. Well, If you love it, you will make time for it. Remember, this is not about you. Peter's telling us how to alter our conduct so that we can reach other people with the gospel of Jesus, so they can be saved also. I don't have time. It's not about you. Third thing he said, believers are to fear God. Fear of God does not mean to be in terror of God. It means to be in awe of God's great power that whatever he wants to do, he can do. It's to hold the Lord God with reverence. Stop it with the I don't have time excuse, but with fear of the Lord, be more like be more like this. Be more like, you know, God said do it. I better do it. In fact, you will never be able to honor all people until you first have full honor to what God's will is for you. If you're always prioritizing your own will above God's, you will never have honor for all people. You'll never love the brotherhood because all because you don't really have a healthy fear of the Lord God. So we need a healthy fear of the Lord God. Fourth thing, Peter said, he said, honor the king. Now, the word king in this context here, as you read it, there's no capital K on it, which means that's not deity. And there's one thing about the Bible. If you see a capital K on king or a capital H on he or his, that means deity. That means the Lord God. But if this has no capital K on it, that means Peter was not referring to King Jesus Peter was talking about King Herod at that time was the king, was King Herod. I'm sure people didn't like King Herod very much. He was not a nice king. In fact, King Herod had Peter arrested for spreading the gospel. So one could justify, well, the king doesn't deserve honor. He's not a very nice king. Again, this is not about your will. This is about God's will. I don't deserve honor either, yet Jesus came and died for my sins. So again, this is not about how we view things, but this is about how God views it. 
honor the king. That man was not made king without God putting him there. So it demanded their honor just as much we should honor the president of the United States. I know you may not have put that man there. I know you probably didn't elect him. You've got to honor the man. The Lord put him there. And if you go around bad-mouthing and talking down about whoever has been put in authority over us, and then you turn around and say, but you know what? You should follow my Jesus. They're like, how do you get under anyone's authority when you can't even do that here? They're not going to listen to you. Peter was trying to tell them, we have to show unbelievers what Jesus' people look like. This is bigger than us. It's bigger than you, and it's bigger than me. This supersedes what we want. We have to, we have to submit to the authority of men respect and honor everyone. We are to actually love the body of Christ believers, have a healthy fear of God, and honor whoever the authority is that God has placed over us. Man, that's a hard pill to swallow. But that's Christian living. You've got to decide whether you live here or if you want to live up there. Because by doing these things, our good conduct will help people come to salvation in Jesus, so that on the day of visitation, they will be found to glorify the Lord rather than dread him. First Peter 2 and 18, servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Boy, I think Peter really nailed it on that one, didn't he? He just eliminated everybody's main reason why they get to disobey this chapter with the people that say, but Ray, I have a jerk for a boss. Who here? Don't put your hand up, but I know who here has a jerk for a boss. You don't like them. They don't treat you right. They're mean. Okay, guys, there have been bad bosses for thousands of years. Peter gets it. It's nothing new. But Peter said we are to submit to them. And you've got to do it willfully. And you've got to do it like they see that you're doing it. None of that rolling the eyes and turning and walking away and snapping some little comment back. But submit to them and make sure they know you do it. We have to understand that when Peter wrote this back then, the majority of the people who were listening to his writing the majority of the people who were in the church were slaves. They were slaves. They didn't have HR uh, departments to complain to like we do. So Peter challenged Christians to a new way of behaving. Respect those who are harsh. He said it like this. If you do wrong and you're punished for it, you get no kingdom credit for that. Why? Because you messed up. You messed up. You should get punished for it. That's the way it works. But, he said, if you don't do anything wrong and you are treated harshly, that's when you start to build up kingdom credit, because now that's when you get to show how Jesus endured punishment for our sin. Now you're racking up points. And I think this is one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian life, is suffering for the Lord. Today, most people, they're all about themselves and their comfort. and. If God loves me, why doesn't he just give me what I want so I can be happy? If he really loves me, he'll give me what I want to enjoy life. Guys, the kingdom of God is geared backwards from this world. It doesn't work like it does down here. We are to love the unlovable, forgive the unforgivable, and suffer the intolerable, not for us, 
but it's all for the purpose of showing Jesus, showing people who Jesus Christ is. It's about him. When you make it all about you, you're missing the whole point. Now, for the hard-boiled person who's thinking, now, Ray, this whole sermon is a bunch of bull. Why should I have to put up with this kind of stuff? Why should I have to tolerate this? Peter explains why in 1 Peter 2.21. He said, For to this you were called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Friends, the reason why we are supposed to endure harsh treatment is because Jesus endured harsh treatment for you and me. He didn't have to. Imagine if Jesus said this, die on the cross for those bunch of sinners? Now that's a bunch of bull. Why should I have to put up with that? You hear that? He put up with it so you and I could be saved from the eternal condemnation of hell. And friends, the reason we're going to put up with it is so other people can be saved by watching us so that they will come to Jesus. It's not about you. Jesus didn't retaliate. He's the perfect example. He didn't return fire. And he didn't threaten when he was lied about. Jesus suffered in silence. Let me show you that in Isaiah 53 and 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That's a tough one for us, guys, because, friends, I know that some of y'all have miserable bosses, maybe even a spouse that can be very harsh at times. But if you will respect and honor them, then you are obeying God's calling for you. And even though you might be judged wrongly, as soon as you commit yourself to God who judges righteously, then the people who mistreat you will suddenly become your ministry mission. So we need to have the same behavior as the example of Christ had. Ultimately, what Peter's trying to say here in chapter 2 is in agreement with what Jesus said in John thirteen thirty four. He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Friends, if we're going to show people Jesus, we can't live like the world. We have to honor all of them, even the ones that are harsh to us. Why? Because Jesus died a harsh death for us. I know this was a son of a gun to swallow because I threw the politics. This is about the only politics I'm going to do from the pulpit is say, well, I didn't vote for that guy. It doesn't matter. You got to honor him. There, there's all the politics you're going to get out of me. But uh, that's a tough one for a lot of us. But guys, this is Jesus we're showing them. Nobody ever got saved by you telling them, hey, you need to be like me. First, they need to observe you. And then when they come to talk smack about you, you can shut their mouth with your conduct. Isn't that something? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.